0: Was Utah football snubbed by the Pac-12 media in the preseason poll? We're talking about that and more on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcast. If this is your first time joining us, make sure you guys like and subscribe. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments, as well as on social media at Locked On Utes, or at our, my personal Twitter handle, at JTWisterSeal. My name is JT JTWisterSeal, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about fall camp starting next week, a little bit on the Utah men's basketball team heading over to Spain. But we got to start with Utah football being picked to finish third in the Pac-12 preseason poll. And in order to help me discuss... Discuss that is Josh Newman, a contributor at KSL.com. And Josh, when you're talking about was Utah snubbed, picked to finish third, I-, I do not feel like they were. I understand why a lot of fans might feel slighted. I understand why coaches and players would potentially feel slighted as well. Just hey, you won back-to-back Pac-12 champions. You got a lot of that core back that has done that. But at the same time, I actually thought they might end up getting picked fourth. Honestly, I just feel like a lot of stuff I've seen outside of like the PAC 12 media has Oregon higher than Utah for this coming season. So I actually thought there was a chance Utah was going to stumble even farther behind, but I- I'm not upset at them being picked to finish third at all. Look, when you look at what USC is, they have the reigning Heisman trophy winner. They have obviously a lot <clears> of <other throat> fun and exciting players to go along with that, especially offensively. And then Washington, their defensive line, and you pair that with Michael Penix. I mean, when you're talking about Williams and as well as Penix, I mean, you could be talking about the two, leading Heisman contenders. I know Drake may and whoever ends up starting for Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state. will all get into that mix as well. But even with all the talent that Utah's coming back and I'm sure the injury to cam rising and the uncertainty there kind of plays a little bit of a role in this. I do not feel like Utah was slighted being picked to finish third.
1: No, I mean, look, you have to remember that a preseason poll is essentially, it's an opinion, mm-hmm. you know, it's 36 media members, most of whom cover the league. You've got some national guys in there. You might have a few radio guys in there that are not like super locked in like you or I might be. Mm -hmm. It's an opinion and it's subjective. And I think anybody paying attention knew that when it's when it's an opinion, a small sample size of of media members um, and it's that subjective. Yeah, I think we all figured that USC would be would be the pick to win the league. And look, you know, we're not going to argue with that. Right. For all the for all the reasons that you said. Um, you know, Washington with Michael Penix and the defense. Look, Michael Penix finished eighth in the Heisman voting last year, threw for 4,500 yards. That team won eleven games last year. Uh-huh. Eleven games and they've got most of that core back. And yeah, I think I think even if Ryzen was healthy, I think even if we knew what the you know, what the situation of quarterback would be, I still think USC would have been the pick. Agreed. And I still think Washington's probably number two. I mean, uh-huh. again, just an opinion. But yeah, I mean, I didn't have a vote this year because I'm no longer at the Tribune, but you know, I I did a little list and i I, you know i tossed it up on twitter yeah i had utah third also and again even if rising were healthy i don't think i would have had utah above you know maybe two Mm -hmm. you know because if you look at the schedule look utah has to go into usc right the last time utah went to usc was the 21 season you know clay helton had been fired that usc team wasn't playing for anything uh you know the you know the coliseum was empty and you know they ran over USC it's not going to be like that okay (laughs) you know it's going to be it's going to be a real deal atmosphere right with Caleb Williams having won the Heisman and and USC probably getting ready to flirt with the college football playoff again so you know this notion that maybe Utah was snubbed one I don't I don't subscribe to that one and two it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. preseason polls are about as useless as you know, preseason all pack 12 again, it's just an opinion. And you're basing things off last year and you're trying to project this year. But to your point, no, I would not classify that as, uh, as Utah being snubbed. I, th- I thought three was fair.
0: And it's a very similar thing. I talked with Porter Larson earlier this week about just, you know, all the Utes that were maybe snubbed from the PAC 12, just to teams, overall preseason teams, because you get guys like Jaquinda Jackson, not being on the ballot, which to me was a mistake. And he should have been on the ballot. But at the end of the day, you talk about it, not mattering 2021, Tavion Thomas probably wouldn't have been on the ballot either. And then 2022 sure. Tavion Thomas was everywhere on the ballot. And we know all that. Played <laughs> out as well. So it's always a, a wide range, how those things kind of play out overall. I and mean, then you do also bring up a great point for um, if you are looking at the wide spectrum because you're right there's probably a lot of media members who did not do we hope they did all their research and did it all that but the truth is not always do just like a couple of years ago uh, it's longer than a couple years ago when Christian McCaffrey didn't get a high people didn't vote for Christian McCaffrey. exactly yes. someone just say he just yeah. didn't stay up later like that was the reason so think, you get the crazy yeah. things like that so hopefully that's not all the reason but the other part of Utah which is very important that you mentioned is just how brutal this schedule is going to be and that's not even counting the non-conference stuff which sometimes right. look it wasn't an issue for Utah back in 2021 but there are teams that get off to bad starts, that it does affect them over the course of the season. So if Utah were to start 0-2, maybe Canvas some time or something like that, there is a chance that they could snowball into something out. I don't expect that from a Kyle Whittingham-led team, but it's always a potential that can happen because we've seen it happen to a lot of football programs overall. But also just talking about the schedule, as you mentioned, going up to Washington is going to be a brutal game at USC. And I, I thought you said that perfectly too. It's just a totally different, and yes, that was like kind of the first, the Cam rising coming out game, the the flea flicker, everything like that. Like right. That was very memorable, but it is very important also remember the position that usc team was in at that point too and then that's not even mentioning oregon state on a short week and Mm -hmm. look utah's home winning streak is eventually going to come to an end i think they got a really good chance to still continue it this year but it's not going to be easy having oregon come into rice eccles stadium this season too so i think a lot of pac-12 media members probably looked at that schedule and said i just have a hard time seeing them do what no team has ever done in terms of three peating as conference champions josh
1: yeah look my first you know it's Wednesday now as we as we do this. And, you know, my first piece for KSL was, you know, a Utes mailbag like I, I used to do for the Trib. And, you know, a lot of people were asking me, you know, can Utah 3 Pete? I mean, yeah, in a vacuum, like, sure, right? You know, you huh. have Ryzen coming back. At some point, he'll show up with some semblance of health. And Keefe and Makai Bernard and Jaquindon Jackson and the defensive line of Stout and all these things, right? And Cole Bishop and Sioni Baki and all these guys on the back end. But look at the schedule, okay? Florida, Baylor, fine. This is the toughest schedule in the history of Utah football. You've got those. You've got those two games. You've got a good Oregon State team on a short week in Corvallis. At USC, you have to play Oregon. I understand, you know, that that game is at Rice Eccles, but you still have to play Oregon. And if your Pac-12 title hopes get to the, you know, let's say that Utah is in the mix for the Pac-12 championship game. Once we get to Halloween, you got to go to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And play Washington, you know, potential weather situation there with rain or snow and cold. It's just it's just one thing after the other with the schedule. There really there is not a ton of like downtime, so to speak. Like, look, I think I think Cal is gonna be improved. I'm not saying that Cal is gonna walk in here to Rice Eccles and, and beat Utah, but like that's no longer like a super patsy type of game, right? I think Arizona
0: yep, that's is all gonna, gonna be make-
1: Arizona is going to be improved, right? With Jed Fish, he's slowly, methodically putting pieces together. You can't just look at that game and, like, check that off as a win. Like, you have to take that game seriously. So, look, on the surface, in a vacuum, if Rising is healthy and ready to go, anything's possible. If he's not, if he doesn't show up until, you know, UCLA on September 23rd, right, to start the Pac-12 schedule, you know, it's July 26th camp opens on july 31st and as we sit here on the 26th talking about this there's a lot of variables in this discussion we there's just things that we don't know and the number one thing that we just don't know yet is the health of rising like if you if you told me that rising is ready to go on august 31st i think anything's possible Mm -hmm. if you told me that he was ready to go on september 23rd and you have to start brandon rose for the first three games or nate johnson or bryson barnes or whoever all right, that's a thing. But if you're getting Rising for the Pac-12 opener, you can win the Pac-12. So again, a lot of variables in play here. Number one chief among them uh, is is if Rising will be healthy and when he will be healthy enough to uh, be under center in an actual college football game.
0: To the points you made as well. I mean, you talked about how different it was for Utah going to w- will be for Utah going to USC this season. The mm-hmm. exact same thing to your point applies for Arizona, right? They steamrolled Arizona that season down in Tucson. I mean, I can't even remember what it was, but it was it was not a game. It was very non competitive, very quickly. And this year, that that should be a much more competitive game just because of the quality of that Arizona team in general. And I think another thing that does is still worth mentioning for maybe why the media is lower on this Utah team. Look, Utah had a, still a really good season last year, made it to the Pac-12 championship game, won it back back or i should say a great season honestly but they needed help to get to that point they did oh sure the the oregon state thing that happened that without that they don't get into that game and that's a very kind of fluky thing so if someone wants to argue that as well i think that that makes a lot of sense for why but um we are talking about a lot of things related to the utah football team that happened last season thankfully we are that much closer to this coming season because we have fall camp starting just next week and we're going to be discussing all things related to fall camp in one moment but first want to talk to you guys about our friends at linkedin talent solutions these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business you want to be 100 certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Make sure you guys head over and add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's easy to find the right team members with all of the tools available at LinkedIn Jobs too. And the small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. All caps, no spaces to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. So, Josh. Coming back into this one, we have fall camp starting up this coming week, July 31st is I believe the first official day and the media will need to speak with the players as well So that and Coach Witt, so that'll be exciting to kind of hear. I think we were talking about the biggest thing I'm looking forward to for fall camp. It actually applies for the same thing I was really looking forward to at Pac-12 Media Day, which is I wanted to hear from Coach Witt just some of the guys that he was excited to bring on this program a little bit more, like who's looked good in the summer workouts. He wasn't asked that really, unfortunately, so I am excited to hear who are kind of those first day, first couple of weeks standouts how does a De Mooney, how is emory simmons entering in this receiver race how is he gonna pop off? how does a guy like a logan fano who's starting to get back into the fold of things how is he going yeah. to, i think that's the biggest thing i'm curious about going to the first week what is the biggest thing you're curious to check out at the first week of camp he, kyle?
1: yeah no just to further your point i don't think anybody asked kyle about this at, at pac-12 media day i want to know what the status of nate richie is okay yes. nate richie is yeah nate richie um Coming off his mission, he was really good for Utah as a true freshman during the weirdo 2020 COVID season. Uh, left on his mission, came back in uh, late December, and he was a. I believe he did not participate at all in spring practice. No. There was there there was kind of a an undisclosed injury situation. Kyle Whittingham and Morgan Scalley both painted it as you know not a major thing, but look, he didn't participate at all during spring ball. Mm-hmm. So what is the situation with Richie and beyond that, what are you doing at strong safety? Because your, your safety room. And if I'm missing somebody, please correct me. You're pretty much looking at Cole Bishop and Nate Richie, presuming health and Sione Vaki. So you've got three guys Hmm. for two spots. Um, Cole Bishop is a a natural free safety. Uh, Nate Richie was also, am I getting that right? Was, Right, Cole Bishop's the free safety. I think Cole,
0: I thought Cole was a strong one, but I could definitely be wrong. Just with how much they used you know what? The I got box, that wrong. I think I got that wrong. Display there, but yeah, keep going.
1: Okay, Cole mm-hmm. Bishop is the strong safety. Nate Ritchie was a strong safety in 2020. So, excuse me. The situation now is, what are you doing at free safety yeah. because you've got these two guys? So, I remember um, late in spring ball, we were I, I was talking to Morgan Scally about, you know, you've got these two guys, three guys, you kind of have a hole at free safety, and he was painting it as look. You have X number of guys, whether it's three guys or, or four guys, if somebody steps up, we're gonna pair that down. We're gonna figure out who the two or three most viable options are. And then we're gonna pair, you know, pair that down again. Whoever we believe fits a free safety, bah bah ba. It was a little bit of coach speak, but yeah, that's a you know, if rising is the number one storyline, I think this safety situation might be number two, number three, you know, trying to figure out what the back end looks like between Bishop and Richie and Vaki. Um but, yeah, I mean, back to the point, I mean, I, I would like to know what the situation is, specifically with Nate Ritchie, you know, again, coming off his mission, trying to get back in shape, missed all of spring ball with uh, an undisclosed injury. Because, again, 2020, he was a big piece of the puzzle, looked like a big piece of the future, and he probably still is, but just having not um, just having not participated during the spring, I'm very curious to see what that situation looks like right now as we head into the
0: I think back to a Brandon Carlson for Utah basketball and the transition he's made over four years, basically from when he first got sure. back to his mission, how he looked to how he looked now. Right. It's right. not really realistic to me to expect us to see Nate Ritchie at his best this fall, maybe, but I still think he can be a contributor on this team. And you're right; it'll be very interesting to see how it shakes out. And to even take 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 it a step further, not just the safeties, I think the defensive backfield. A lot of people are curious about who's going to be that third guy, right? You get a as I'm just totally blanking on there, obviously JT Broughton and then the other corner who is going to be really good. The season is that I'm totally blanking on Josh. Miles
1: battle. And Zamaya Vaughn. Fabian Vaughn, Marks. Yeah. You know.
0: And then, and even the young guys, right? Uh Smith Snowden, a CJ blocker. Are they going to be able to crack in to a group where you have those veterans in there as well? I think a lot of people are curious to see how the rest of the corner room will shake out overall. So there are, it's a lot of really intriguing stories. Like I said, there's no major really quarterback battle. The biggest story is your quarterback's health. We do expect Brant Keith to be out there and be, ready to yeah. go. I think one of the lingering questions I still have from fall camp, I, I'll bring up as well as I'm just, I am curious, and this is one that won't get answered until the season starts, is how will Satawa, not Satawa Laumea, I am just getting everyone confused right now. Right, uh, who's the left tackle? Falcon Kalmatule is uh, going right. to be left tackle. With Falcon, I just, that's a huge Brayden Daniels, Bama Aseni were so outstanding at the left tackle spot. It's so you yes. cool to have your quarterbacks blindside covered, and you're going to be more than likely trotting a guy out there barring a surprise Jaron Kump start at Left tackle who doesn't have any Pac-12 or just in ge- I mean general college football starts at that position. So I am very curious to see how he is going to handle. And uh, we did see uh, Braden Daniels had a very good season. There were a couple times I cannot remember the name of the Florida defensive end, but he was pretty good last year and he worked for Braden pretty good in that first game. We know Florida. Look, they got their issues. Graham Mertz is probably chief among them, honestly. If he's going to be their starting quarterback. <laughs> but they're really good along the defensive line. So that is something that is kind of a game one question that I'll just be curious to hear how the offensive line is looking as fall camp progresses. But we also know that Coach Witt, Jim Harding can turn the offensive line what we expect it to be on its head come game one like he did last year, Josh.
1: Yeah, I remember covering camp last year and there were some, excuse me, there weren't like dire offensive line questions at camp last year, but there were certainly some questions. I think you had like 60% of the line figured out and you were trying to get like the right side of the line yeah. fully figured out. And we kept hearing that, like, Falcon Kamatule at right tackle. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it was looking like for a lot of camp. And then I remember the uh, the initial two deep came out before the Florida game, and Kamatule, like, didn't get that right tackle spot. And I thought at the time that kind of spoke to the depth of, of that room and the job that Jim Harding was doing, right? They were, you know, the room turned out to be, you know, legitimately for the opener last year, right? The room was like six, seven, eight deep. And there was enough talent there that Kamatule like could not, could not break through. And you know we're in the situation a year later, as you alluded to. I mean, that left tackle spot is obviously critical because you're protecting Rising's blindside, right? And it was you know Bam Olceni, right, first in, in 2021, who who Jim Harding turned into again. You know Bam Olceni did not grow up playing football, right? He was like this behemoth of a human being who grew up in England, and like Jim Harding turned him into a pro football player right he spent some time with the Packers and then last year it was uh Braden Daniels and you know in 2022 Braden Daniels was a very you know versatile type of kid who had played a ton of football played multiple spots along the offensive line and you know they threw him in at left tackle and again you know Jim Harding turned him into what was he a fourth round draft pick to the Washington I was going to say the Washington Redskins yeah. excuse <laughs> me the Washington Commanders but um you know, so the so time now, being anyways,
0: by the way, they might change the name. Right,
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. That's funny. Um. So, you know, Olseni, Daniels, now you have Falcon Kamatule. That's another first, first time starter at left tackle. And I'm curious, not so much for, to hear from Harding, but I'm curious to talk to Rising next week about what are the difficulties of having a third left tackle in three years I mean that's you know that's not the relationship it's not like center to quarterback where you really have to have the timing down between your center and your quarterback but you also have to have some kind of timing some kind of relationship with your left tackle right you have to be communicating with this person so to be breaking in a third starting left tackle in three years for rising I'll be curious to you know to talk to Cam and and kind of get his thoughts on that.
0: It is going to be interesting. I'll say this as well. Um, I just, I do wonder if we will get to speak to cam just right away, just because of the recovery and everything like that. If they do want to throw him out there or not, I think they can choose that or not. So that will be interesting. Hopefully we get to, cause I think a lot of people are very curious to um, see him. And uh, one last point on Bam or before we move off it. Um, Cause I actually ran into him just, I uh, was out and about in the city and I just passed by him. If anyone thinks they can play college football, they should just like go by the Bam will of the world and be like, yeah, that, no, oh. no, you can't. Like that guy is so big <laughs> and he couldn't like, pick the NFL. That's the other part. That's like, it, it's crazy. To me.
1: <laughs> like I've covered, I've covered basketball at all mm-hmm. levels, like NBA stuff. And you see like these six, seven foot guys and they are huge. Right. Bam. All is just the largest human being I've ever seen in my life. And he can't crack like a 53-man roster. I know. That's how hard it is to play professional football. Like a guy the size of Bam Oleseni like could not get out of camp. So if you think you could play college football or you think you could play professional sports – Bam Oleseni is proof that you, I promise you, you cannot, you (laughs) cannot do that. I swear.
0: Uh, No, absolutely not. And uh, before we do get to the men's basketball team, which I do want to hit on before we get out of here, Josh, I did want to ask you just your thoughts in general on PAC 12 media day. You know, we heard from Mark Harlan, We heard from commissioner Kaliakoff on the future of the conference. We heard from Kyle Whittingham, of course, and then Cam rising and Cole Bishop. What were some of your biggest takeaways or just the things that you found the most interesting?
1: Yeah. I thought that George Kaliakoff, you know, It's a tough situation, right? I think a lot of us believed that the league had to go into media day having a media deal because if you didn't have a media deal, the optics were going to be bad and that the questions to Klayovkov were going to be, you know, not great. So obviously there is no media deal, but I thought Klayovkov did a good job of, you know, staying firm and staying buttoned up and close to the vest and he didn't give too much away. You did have that one little hiccup where, and I agreed with this, I mean, like he did sort of indicate that maybe a deal was done, they just weren't ready to announce it. And I thought that James Crepia from the Oregonian yep. did a good job of jumping all over that and getting the follow-up question and fairly and rightfully asking, is it is a deal done? And Kleovkov kind of, you know, put you know put that fire out and, um, you know, essentially said, you know, you're reading too much into it, et cetera. Fine. Mm-hmm. So where we are, you know, there's no media deal. I thought Kleovkov did a good job and I thought Harlan in his role Up on stage, I thought he was very firm in in where the University of Utah stands. And again, Harlan is a guy who, you know, he's not going to give away the farm. He is very buttoned up. He is very close to the vest. But he did a good job of making firm where specifically his athletic department and his president, Taylor Randall, stood. People have to remember, athletics is a very small part of the university machine. You have to consider it from a non-athletic standpoint if Taylor Randall right the president of the University of Utah who is a sports-centric president understands you know the you know the value of athletics on the college campus if Taylor Randall like walked into his board of trustees and tried to explain that they wanted to move to the Big 12 he would have to explain to his board why he's going from a conference now with six AAU members to the Big 12 which has one AAU member so You know, something to think about, and you know, you hear all this stuff with Colorado and the four corner schools. I think it's a lot of, a lot of smoke. Okay. At a a minimum, at a bare minimum, no one's going anywhere until there is a media deal in place. And you see how many years, and you see how much money. And if somebody doesn't want to sign a grant of rights, which I don't think is going to happen, I think there's going to be a deal, and it's going to be close enough, and it's going to be good enough, and everyone's going to sign on, and the PAC 10, PAC 12, you know, whatever will survive. But, Media day as a whole, like nothing unexpected. I thought Cleop did a good job. I thought Mark Harlan did a good job, again, keeping things pretty close to the vest while being firm in his own stance for his athletic department and his school. Um, You know, I thought Kyle Whittingham, you know, Kyle Whittingham is at his best when you're asking him questions that are one, big picture, and Mm -hmm. two, have nothing to do with his football team specifically. And his stuff on NIL has been consistently very good and at media day, he said, look, you know, there are no guardrails. It's a little crazy right now. He is of the belief and he's not alone that Congress needs to get its arms wrapped around this thing mm-hmm. and have a firm set of, of rules and guardrails, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think Congress is ultimately going to get that done. But again, Kyle is at his best when it has nothing to do with his team and when it's big picture. And that notion, you know, played out during media day. I thought Kyle was very good.
0: Yeah, I thought he did a great job. And like you mentioned, Harlan was firm as well. And just uh, to your point on the job that James did kind of pressing Kaliakoff on that question, as someone who was just, I didn't know that that slip-up happened before when I started there. It was available on YouTube, so I just watched it. Yeah. I didn't know that that he had a slip-up. So when I watched it live and he said, um, like you said, just what implied that he was, that they had a media rights deal done. That was my first question. Like just as someone watching it, that was the first thought that popped in my head. Like, is he saying that the media deal is done? So I thought he did a great job. James did in the moment of recognizing that and then pressing on it. And I think if Commissioner Koliakoff could go back, he'd probably change up the wording of how he answered that, uh, that first question as well.
1: I mean, I'll tell you what I was, uh, I was outside of home. I was actually at the library in sugar house, like watching Pack 12 Media Day Live and like I heard Kleopkov say that and my like media beat writer brain like snapped into action I'm like whoa did he just say that, yeah. that it's done but he just doesn't want to like say it and like again James kind of James Crepe and I kind of have the same wavelength of like media beat writer like front of mind type of mindset brain and like he was all over it so um, you know credit to him really for asking that because it frankly it, it, it needed to be asked after Kleopkov said what he said
0: the next time we'll get Klay in front of a mic is Pac-12 for the championship game, right? He does one in, so that'd be like late November, December, correct?
1: We're talking about like late November, December, unless there is a media deal before that, at which time I would think he would do some sort of Zoom call. But all things being equal, yes, you're correct, right before the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, I
0: would expect we'd hear from him sooner than that. Then, like you said, if you do it out deal. But <laughs> we also expected that this would be done back in March. So at this point. I've got oh, yeah. timelines on it. We'll <laughs> yeah. just uh we'll wait and see what uh what happens. But uh speaking no of time, timelines, one thing that is happening right now is the Utah men's basketball team is going overseas to play four games in Spain on a summer foreign tour overall. The trip spans July 25th through August 4th and gives the team a great opportunity to compete in those four exhibition games with stops in Barcelona, San Sebastian, and Madrid overall. And Josh, I think this is a great trip, not just for the experience to play against some of these overseas teams, but especially the opportunity to kind of team bond, make these memories going on a trip like this. I, I think this is great for the basketball team, and I think this will be something that they remember—not just for the opportunity to play in those games, as I mentioned, but especially those experiences you're going to
1: get. Yeah, I mean, I think from a coaching standpoint, you know, just, you know, just in my experience in in journalism and and, and covering college basketball, I mean, the, from a coaching standpoint, the NCAA allows ten extra practices during the summer if you are going on a foreign trip. So from a coaching standpoint, you get your guys in the gym more, you're able to practice, you know, 10 more times, you know, more practice can only benefit, Mm -hmm. right? The team and the staff. And, you know, there's some new guys on this roster. So you're trying to figure out exactly what you have. And then, yeah, you know, you'll go to Spain and you'll play four games. I'm always fascinated by, you know, when teams, when teams do these European trips, sometimes the competition is pretty stout and you're getting like a real workout in potentially against like, an under-19 national team or a junior team from a professional club. So I don't know, I don't think they've put exactly out there who Utah is playing, but the point is, you're getting the extra practices, you're getting four games, and you can really get a better idea of what you have. Look, Lawson Lovering, Cole Badgema, um, Davon Smith, right, Uh, the Georgia Tech transfer, you've got new guys that you need to integrate and onboard into your program, and you know, into what Craig Smith wants to do. So it's good. You know, you're allowed to take one of these foreign trips, I believe every four years, maybe every five years per um, NCAA guidelines. So I think for Utah, this is a good time to be taking one of those foreign trips, just again, because you have all these new pieces and you're trying to figure out exactly what you have. So, but for the fan who might be watching or or listening, whatever the game results are, take it with a grain of salt, okay? Because you're going to see a lot of mixing and matching. You're going to see a lot of things that, Maybe you won't see during the regular season because again, it's July. You're trying to figure out what you have. You're mixing. You're matching. I'm sure they'll do. You know the Brandon Carlson. You know big big lineup with Lawson Lovering. Maybe you experiment with Lovering and Cavickeda, Carlson and Cavickeda. You know Davon Smith might play a ton. You're going to see things that you might not normally see once we get to November, December, January. Take the result in Spain with a large grain of salt, please.
0: And and to your point as well. I think one of the great things about this trip is that the best you obviously practice and everything to play in the games but then when you get in the games every game matters if you are trying to do things down the road like you can't have bad losses against certain teams and yes you play inferior competition in some games so you're going to be able to mess around and still find ways to win but it just really gives you the opportunity to play in games that are competitive that allow you to just mix and match to try those different things that you brought up that give you an opportunity to see how they're going to work on the court and then you can go okay it's a sample size for us to look at and evaluate for when we really get going kind of that late early November late October range. As well, so it's going to be a great trip for the men's basketball team overall. And as you mentioned, I think especially you got to take it with a grain of salt because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't count towards their uh, their Pac-12, whatever they want to do in the Pac-12. Count no. for their chance <laughs> it or anything beyond that. It's just it's just some summer games, so it's going to be interesting to yep. see how that plays out. And look, obviously, Josh, we are coming up on fall camp, and with that, which means we're going to get more coverage and more access to the players. If people want to hear from Kyle Whittingham, Cam Rising, and all of the players, and just how fall camp is going, where should they head over to uh
1: again i'm i'm at ksl.com now uh at joshua underscore newman i'll link whatever i i write ksl.com of course josh furlong is is still the beat writer at ksl.com he's gonna have a ton of stuff as um as camp gets going he might be the uh i think josh furlong might be the elder statesman on this beat i don't know if anybody currently has been covering utah as long as josh furlong so definitely check out furlong stuff as well
0: yeah, I I, def- I think Josh, yeah, to your point, I think Josh is definitely uh, yeah. at that point overall, and it's going to be fun to see you guys working together. So appreciate you coming on as always, Josh. Thanks for
1: having me, JT. Appreciate
0: it. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked Utes, but I'll be back tomorrow with Jake Hatch talking of fun. If Utah and BYU played each other, how would that game play out in 2023? I'm sure it's going to lead to a lot of kind comments in the comment section. So <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.